This is Other Voices. We're listening to varied views from local people whose voices might otherwise not be heard. I'm Melissa Hale Spencer, editor of the Altamont Enterprise, covering Albany County, New York. I'm talking to director Jim Milton. He says he was attracted to theater because, being raised as a Catholic, he found this biblical phrase profound. The word was made flesh. To me, words are sacred, Milton says. He also says they call theater the fabulous invalid, noting theater's impending death has been proclaimed with the advent of movies, of television, and of the Internet. We are a species for which stories are important, he says. And theater, Milton says, is one of the major ways in which a community can come together. Let's start by talking a little bit about why you decided to do this play, which is Jack Cunningham's play, Women and War, right now. <laughs> what, was the, what was the thought process that got you to that? I, I have to confess that uh, I had very little to do with that process. Okay. Uh, Vivian Galloway, who is, uh, seems to do everything around Conkling Hall, uh, she seems to be the chief cook and bottle washer and uh, technical director and a million other things, uh, is someone who is, among other things, a costume designer. And she had worked with me on a show a couple of years ago. And uh, she knew I lived up here. Um, not exactly close, but close-ish. And uh, she need, she wanted to do this. She had seen it. Uh, Jack Cunningham is someone that she knows, and uh, she thought it would be a great idea um, to do it in connection with the 4th of July. Um, so uh, she called me up and asked if I would be interested in directing this show. I read the show and I said yes. Yes, I would. So tell us a little about the show. And I realize you don't want to tell too much because you want right. people to experience it for themselves. But as I understand it, it's a combination of monologues that come from documents and letters of women yeah. talking about war. Yeah. So um, one of the things that was perfect for this show uh, to rehearse on Zoom is that whether you're doing it on stage, which we will be on the third, or whether you're doing it online, which we will be on the first and second, nobody looks at anyone else because they are separated. They are separated by oceans. They are separated by experience. They are, uh, what war does is it separates us. And, uh, the relationships that are are sketched in the show are um, are torn asunder, to use an old-fashioned uh, phrase. They are torn asunder, and uh, so uh, one of the things the play is about is the efforts on the part of the people torn asunder to maintain their relationships and to. Um, keep things going, to keep each other uh, informed, to keep each other courageous, to keep each other alive. 
Um, women, women in war, when, you know, when you hear that title, I think a lot of people think, you know, oh, women in war, there are women serving in Afghanistan, there are women serving in Iraq, and, uh, you know, that's all very interesting. But um, the women serving in Iraq and Afghanistan are what we call in harm's way. Uh, they are as likely, or perhaps not completely as likely, but they are pretty much as likely as the men to, uh, you know, come to harm. And um, because it's that kind of war, it's not a war with, you know, big armies clashing. It's a war of, it's a guerrilla war. And uh, anyone is fair game. In harm's way, I think, is something that happens to women in all war. Not just uh, in harm's way because you might get shot or you might end up with an IED going off, but because psychologically you are harmed by the fact that your husband or your son or your brother is killed in the war or is even serving in the war. Uh, these people suffer deprivation. Uh, one of the things that's brought up in the, uh, in the play are the ration books. Um, so yes, for most of history, men have been fighting the wars, quote unquote. But the women who are uh, behind them are fighting their own battles. And that's what the play kind of uh, wants to remind us of. Well, several things you've said make me think it's perfect for this time. This idea of being torn asunder, being isolated. We're just coming out of a year and a half of isolation, not caused by mm -hmm. war, but caused by this pandemic and have had to cope and connect with each other, perhaps in some of the way these women did through these different wars. And um, I'd love it if you could talk a little. I looked up online and see that you're a playwright and that you wrote a play called Amelia um, that dealt with um, a woman in war, as you say, in harm's way in the actual sense of right, fighting. Right. Well, it's so just tell us a little about that play. And Okay. Um, well, Amelia actually was not a play written by me. It was a play that I directed, and uh, I did work on the script with the uh, with the author, Mr. Webb. Um, uh, we took a kind of different tack with the production than he had taken with the original production for a number of reasons. But Amelia was the story of a woman who uh, everybody said would never get married. She was too headstrong. She was too, uh, you know, just too much for any man to handle. And uh, she found a man who, well, I wouldn't say he could handle her, but they came to, uh, they had a great relationship. And uh, the day after they were married, he went off to fight in the Civil War. And uh, she got letters from him for a number of months, and then they stopped. And she decided to go and find him. So uh, she went south, um, and she had all sorts of 
interesting adventures. She met a runaway slave who she was with for a while. Um, and finally, she, uh, she ended up disguising herself as a man. Um, so what's interesting about the play is that this is based on a true fact about a woman who disguised herself as a man to participate in the Civil War and who was killed. Um, this woman ends up uh, captured by the Confederates and put in uh, a horrible place called Andersonville, which was basically a concentration camp, prisoner of war uh, place. Um, I don't know if you've, you seem to have heard of it. it yes, was, it's just a, a well-known monstrosity of the war, just yeah, packed, yeah. designed for a small number of prisoners and yeah. just horrible conditions. So anyway, once she's in there, she discovers her, her lover, her husband, and uh, he dies. <laughs> um, I don't know why I'm laughing, but, you know, it was after this whole... After this whole torturous journey, um, you know, he dies and it sort of says, you know, sums up war uh, for everyone, I think. Yeah, uh, that was a very that was a, an excellent production, which we we had the, uh, the pleasure of hosting a number of uh, Civil War reenactors who came and uh, loved the show and loved uh Love the fact that we were doing it. Yeah, well, you've done a lot of shows. I mean, maybe I've uh, not understood it all correctly, but as I just looking through, <laughs> trying to figure out a bit about who you are, you adapted Dickens' The Christmas Carol for Tannersville. You adapted The Turn of the Screw, Henry James. Um, that was really the show that uh, Vivian did the costumes for. Wow. And then I just watched last night. I was going to just watch a clip, but it drew me right in. It looked like a takeoff on Molnar's uh, The Guardsman. I just play yes. one on TV. <laughs> just, yes. I mean, what a range you have. Um, I just like to hear just a little about yourself as a playwright. How did you become a playwright? Well, my my. I, I consider myself a director okay, and a writer, but the writer always comes after the director. And um, so I ended up, um, I very seldom, although I did it with the, with the movie that you talked about, I just play one on TV, um, although that is based on Molnar's The Guardsman, I generally take something that's already there and then uh, do my own take on it. Um, I did an adaptation of uh, Moliere's Tartuffe, uh, which is a great, great, great classic comedy. And um, I'm about to get very technical. <laughs> but Go right ahead. Yeah. The standard translation, which is by Richard Wilbur and which is absolutely wonderful, uses iambic pentameter, which means that each line has 10 syllables and they go ba-dum, 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 ba-dum. 
What I did is I took that and I wanted the thing to move a lot faster. So I did it in hexameter, not hexameter. I did it in a meter that had only four feet Eight. to the line, da-dum, 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 <laughs> which instantly took 20% off the running time of the play, which I counted as a, as a really good thing. I don't like to do a play that lasts more than an hour or an hour and a half. Uh, Women in War lasts an hour, hour and change. Uh, which I think is just about perfect for the uh, the subject matter. And I, I don't want to give the impression that um, women in war is all grim horror, um, because it's not. Um, what you see is you see the relationship of three couples who are dealing with three different wars. First is uh, a couple who are... Uh, dealing with World War II. He is sent to Europe to fight. Uh, she lives in Brooklyn. Uh, the second couple uh, come from the South. He is sent to Korea for that conflict. She is left at home with their son. And um, the third is the Vietnam War. So you have a woman with three children and her husband is off flying sorties in Vietnam. And through letters, which is the way, only way they can really communicate, uh, you see their relationship hanging on. You see, um, you see how, uh, how a long distance, how the distance changes them, how it transforms them. Uh, I mean, one of the things that, one of my favorite scenes is a scene where um, the guy who is serving in Korea writes her a letter about uh, having killed someone, uh, which she had never done in this war and how it changed him, how it affected him. And she writes back, I think her letter uh, came before, uh, was sent before his came, and she's talking about their son going to kindergarten and what that's like for him. So there's, there's a whole kind of um, misalignment sometimes, and then there is great alignment at other times. And of course, they always sign their letters, I love you, um, which I'm sure was very comforting and very strengthening. Yes. I also don't, I, I'm sorry, I also don't want everybody to think, oh, this is going to be a grim slog through, you know, military history. It's not. These people are, can be funny, uh, there are characters which are hilarious. There's a woman who drives a two-ton truck and serves donuts and coffee to the troops. She's a real howl. Um, you know, and there are jokes. Um, and I think it, you know, it's serious. Of course, it's serious. It's called Women in War. And at the same time, it's not, 
gruesomely serious. And I think it's on the 4th of July, it really is a, a good portrait of the sacrifices people make. Yeah, there's so many directions I want to go in from what you said. I'd like to get back eventually to talk about the local cast that you're working with. But okay. first, I want to ask about this idea. Because you are a playwright, you're somebody that certainly is attuned to the spoken word, but it's read from a script. What, I, what flashed in my mind as you were talking about this um, play being based on correspondence, our modern soldiers, of course, are, are corresponding the way we are right now, you know, through right. a computer screen. And missing that middle step of actually, you know, writing thoughts, which to my mind gives you a different perspective when you stop and pick up a pen and are writing as opposed to just looking at somebody on a screen and reacting. And I'm wondering, because you are doing this play in two different ways, you're doing it through the screen, <laughs> which was necessary in the time of COVID, but you're also going to be doing a live performance because those restrictions were suddenly lifted. And if you could just talk a little about a playwright, as a playwright, about uh, the meaning of words written that become spoken and and the and the different ways you work with that as a director well um i'm going to get very religious now i think one of the reasons i was attracted to the theater is that i was raised as a catholic and one of the most important and profound um Phrases from the Bible, from the New Testament, is the word was made flesh. And to me, words are sacred. Uh, words are, um, words are almost living things. I got my, my wife is also a, a word nerd, as we sometimes <laughs> say. She is a word nerd. And I got her a little um, a little pendant that said, words matter, and uh, which they do, which they do. And uh, so when, I, when I've been directing this, um, this show, uh, which, from which a lot of the jobs of the director have been removed, there is no, there is no staging, there's no blocking, there's no... Um, there's no set. The costumes are going to be very, very minimal, if at all. And um, so what, what do I say to my actors? My actors, I say, there are two things that we're dealing with in this play. All plays deal with those two things, but in other plays, there are often a lot of extraneous and wonderful things that get in the way. But we have two things. We have the words and we have the emotion that's carried on those words. And so that's what we've been looking at as we've rehearsed this. We've been looking at trying to find ways to bring the emotion of the words, of the situation, of the characters uh, to life. And uh, I think our cast has uh, 
done a very, very good job. Well, that is the perfect segue into your cast. <laughs> Thank you. Because a lot of these names are familiar to our readers since they've been in our news stories. <laughs> but um, if you could just talk a little about, because it must be different directing community theater, where you're drawing on everyday people who aren't um, steeped in theater right. and that training. Just tell us a little about some of the cast members and why, and I'm assuming you think this is true, why community theater is important as opposed to going to a show on Broadway, which of course is something we yeah, all love. <laughs> but yeah, it's on hiatus now. But Anyway, I'm not going to point out any single person. Okay. Um, uh, I will say that uh, the cast is a cast of seven. There is one man who plays all of the men in the in the show. And there are six women who play probably among them 12 different characters. Um, the main ones being the the wives, the three wives of the servicemen. Um, why is community theater important? Well, all theater is important. Uh, why? You know, why is that? Because it's fading away. So, so many of us. It's, it's, you, it's what? It's fading away for so no. many of us. I, I, you know, they, they call theater the fabulous invalid because every generation comes through and says, Theater is dead. This is the end of theater. Uh, there won't be any theater. You know, when television came, theater is dead. When movies came, theater is dead. Um, you know, when the internet came, theater is dead. Well, I'm happy to say that that is just simply not the case. Um, first of all, theater is one of the ways that we tell stories. We are a species for whom stories are important. Um, if you look at, you know, if you look at anything, if you look at religion, if you look at the newspaper, if you look at novels, um, people are hungry for stories. People love to ask that question, what happens next? And um, theater is certainly not the only way but it is one of the major ways in which a community can come together. Um, you know, it's not a movie. I mean, a movie is, I love movies, but a movie is something that is uh, etched in stone. It can't, uh, it can't change. It can't uh, react when you laugh. It can't react when you cry. In the theater, the actors are there. They're in the same room with you. And something is happening in that room due to those actors. And you participate in it. You are part of the play. You can't really have a play without an audience. Um, it just doesn't work. Um, that's why we're looking forward to our, uh, our live performance on Saturday. Um, we're going to be able to 
interact. We're going to be able to hear the people in the seats. We're going to hear them laugh. We're going to hear them cry. We're going to have a sense that they are with us and that we are with them. And as far as I'm concerned, uh, community theater is, you know, it's a snobby term. Um, I've been doing theater upstate for the last, I think, eight years. And I have never put on a show I didn't think was, you know, professional in so many ways. You know, it's um, and people love them. People love to come out. They love to come see things and, uh, and be surprised. No, I hear you. We're called a community newspaper. Alvin is a put down. <laughs> but um, I do think just the sense I have of your work, these plays you've adapted, that the sense of place is really important to you. From what I read, it sounded like the Christmas Carol that you did was, you know, set in where you are, Tannersville, yeah, is that it was, right? Yeah, it's a Christmas and, carol for the Catskills. Yeah, that's just, that's great, because I think another thing we're losing with our modern culture so based on the screen, whether it's a phone screen or a computer screen or a movie screen, is that sense of place, and it just seems like that's something that you care about and work with when you're yeah. doing these productions. Yeah. Well, the, the, the places in Women in War are, I mean, the thing about Women in War is we are going to do it very, very, very simply. You're not going to be able to do it more simply. The actors are going to be sitting in chairs. Uh, when it comes time for someone's letter or speech, they stand, they read it, they sit down, the next person comes. And it's, um, it's very simple. But uh, it's not it's not distracting. I mean, that's the thing. The audience is going to have not much to look at except this actor who is telling them an amazing story, a story full of emotion, a story full of uh, full of pain, full of laughter, whatever. Um, so the word, you're focused again, as you said, with your Catholic upbringing on the word. So yes. all those extraneous things, the costumes, the stage set, they all just fade away. And they, our minds will be focused on the word. Right. What's being yeah. said. Because that's the way the play is written, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I had, you know, a million dollars to produce it, I don't know that I wouldn't produce it with the line of chairs and the actor sitting in them because that's where the focus should be. The focus should be on what these people are saying. And the, the playwright, Jack Cunningham, has, has done a tremendous amount of research to make sure that those words are, are accurate and that those words are powerful. So did you say that you know Jack Cunningham? Or maybe no, you said Vivian. Vivian. Okay, because I was going to ask you a little about him. But yes. tell us about who should come to this play. Who, who, is, who is the audience? Who is the audience? The audience is anyone who is curious about our history, which, of course, should be everyone. It's people who like theater, 
people who um, who are uh, willing to take a chance, willing to see something that's a little different. Uh, I should point out that there are uh, some warnings um, about this production. Um, not wanting to scare anybody off, but there is some anti-Semitic language because World War II was a time of great anti-Semitism, both in Germany and in the United States. And there's also, um, there's also a discussion about rape in the service. So uh, these are a couple of very serious things that are brought to the foreground and we feel, you know, people should be warned, but not warned away. I like that. Warned, but not warned away. So you're prepared to listen to this. And those both sound like topics that are very current. Yes. (laughs) And anti-Semitism is on the rise again. And there's certainly ongoing discussions about rape in the military. So our time has gone so fast. There's always so much more I would like to hear. Uh, Yes, I can yak and yak and yak. No. Oh, gosh. Do you have any closing thoughts to leave our listeners with? Well, come uh, see it online. Uh, If you're one of those people who likes to see things on the screen, I think you'll certainly get uh, a real taste of what this is. But if you can uh, if you can come to Conkling Hall on Saturday and see it live, I think uh, that's a somewhat better choice. I know Conkling Hall is going to probably not seat more than 30 people with the uh, with the COVID. They're still asking for COVID spacing in theaters. So um, I don't know if, how many tickets are going to be available, but it's certainly worth seeing. It's something you should see. And uh See it online, see it live, but see it.